Hello, I'm Samia Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher and the founder of Impeak. My guests on today's podcast are Brittany Bond and Wade Khan from Swivel Meta. We spoke about the state of the metaverse, especially since it's been a while since we've gone into the current bear market. And many large corporations who are super excited about getting into the space have somewhat pulled back their resources and their attention. The team at Swivel Meta are well placed to answer these questions because they're helping a lot of brands get into the space and create immersive experiences for their communities. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Thank you so much uh, guys for being here. So maybe a good place to start the conversation is that, um, you know, I've been a LinkedIn top voice a few years in a row. And, and one of the things that I do with LinkedIn is that they always ask me to comment on anything to do with Web3 these days. So yesterday they sent me um, this thing about how Meta uh, has pulled out uh, their support for NFTs and they wanted me to, to comment on that. And I thought this could be a good conversation starter for us because essentially, maybe you can you can tell me why you think that has happened. Um, you know, I think right now with the NFTs and wallets, it's just really, there's a lot of friction for the average person to get in and start using those things. And it's it's kind of far out on the right of the spectrum for mainstream companies to start really getting into that. You know, the, the Web3 companies for sure are already in. So we believe that, you know, the, the most practical way for companies in the mainstream to start getting in is with just immersive web uh, solutions, right? Where you don't have to have NFTs, but the immersive web is the next evolution of the web. Meaning, you know, today it's 2D, you kind of look at a page, scroll up and down, right and left, and the next evolution is to leverage all this great 3D tech and have nice immersive experiences. And you don't have to have NFTs to do that, right? But the spectrum of the immersive web can eventually include the NFT. So when the, when, the friction kind of subsides and they have really good wallet solutions where it's really easy for the average person to get an NFT. They don't have to set up a MetaMask wallet, bury a secret phrase in their backyard because they're worried about somebody, you know, robbing them. Um, when it, but that becomes easy and then you'll start to see the NFTs be a part of all these immersive web experiences and the metaverse take off and all that stuff. Okay. So you're saying that uh, the immersive, uh, immersive web and uh, web three are two different things. I think there's it's a spectrum, right? And you know, companies and and you know, in particular, can start out with immersive web experiences and start bridging into what we call Web 2.5, where you mix a little NFT stuff in. As soon as the wallets, you know, it, it's easy for the average user, like my mom or somebody, to to not have to worry about going through the MetaMask or the the the, the friction you have to go through to set up one of those wallets. Today. And it's really easy to get an NFT and see what you have in your wallet. So. We think the immersive web expands Web 3.2, but you don't have to start with NFTs and having intimate knowledge of wallets and blockchain uh, mm -hmm. to get going. Okay. What do you think, Brittany? Yeah. So I read a little more about um, Meta's pivot on the metaverse as well. Um, you know, in in reviewing that, to me, their, their shift towards AI, I think, makes a lot of sense because their approach to the metaverse was so criticized and maybe misaligned with both the immersive web and Web3 initiatives, right? There's so many principles around Web3 in terms of interoperability and just um, 
you know, they really didn't meet a lot of the criteria of, of that Web3, of the Web3 principles. Um, I think there were also some style choices they made, you know, as chief design officer, I have a keen eye to that kind of stuff. And, you know, style choices they made. There are a lot of clients we worked with, you know, we work across multiple platforms, metaverse platforms, immersive web solutions. Um, and a lot of our clients struggled to get access to their platforms and, you know, um, be able to build on them. And I think they just created a lot of barriers to entry that made it challenging for them to be successful in that world. So I think it's a smart choice for them to kind of go more where their wheelhouse is. Um, and I think it, you know, provides opportunities for a lot of other platforms to not have to worry about Meta as competition and more so as a partner, um, you know, uh, who's going to provide devices and other solutions that um, really help advance the metaverse and immersive solutions in other ways. So, um, I, you know, I think it's a good choice for them and certainly doesn't mean the rest of the industry is dead. It's just it, more so not in their wheelhouse. So they have always been into AI, right? Like the AI has always been a big part of what they do, right? Mm -hmm. It seemed like with Web3 and the metaverse, they were trying to enter a new space uh, and you are right. It did worry a lot of people. Uh, I think a lot, a lot of us in Web3, we were kind of like rolling our eyes um, <laughs> to, to the idea. Um, but on the other hand, them pulling out now, it also seems like it kind of reflects badly on the space. And, and I have listened, uh, I've been listening to quite a lot of kind of podcasts and, and conversations lately, for example, with the founder of Stable Diffusion, you know, and what they're thinking about Web3 that uh, and the problems that it has. So why do you think the synonymity between Metaverse and Web3 happened? Because if, if Metaverse is primarily about a more immersive web, where, where did that stem from? How, how did these two things become synonymous? Yeah, I think multiple platforms did really attempt, you know, to go full Web3 and having, you know, virtual real estate as NFTs using crypto um, as a means of purchasing things in those different metaverse platforms or worlds, um, having decentralized organizations. I mean, we're still, you know, good partners with Decentraland, and I think there's still a lot of potential there. So I would consider them more of a Web3 solution. Again, there, you know, there's a spectrum of that. So I think that's where, you know, people can still, um, you know, align Web3 and the metaverse. And I think that's okay. I think what we're really focused on is solving for where is the demand now? Where can people onboard now? Um, rather than waiting for solutions that still need to have a lot of, work done for people to really, you know, understand them, make them accessible to not just people who are in high tech. Um, and, and that's where we lean towards the immersive web is we don't want how someone to have to sink their wallet every time they access an immersive experience that we do think is really captivating for a digital native audience. Um, but, you know, not all digi digital natives have access to crypto wallets right now. Um, is it safe for young kids to have crypto wallets right now? I'm not sure. Um, there's, you know, a lot of factors in that, as well as looking at, you know, uh, older generations or people who are not as digital native. We get... Um, 
a lot of asks in our platform to have ex immersive experiences that are still captivating, but people people don't want to have to navigate through it um, with their WASD keys or arrows. Um, you know, that's just not intuitive to them yet. So there's just this learning curve that we have to go through. And in the meantime, I think it's really important to acknowledge where are people now? How can we serve them now with new technology that has come about at the same time as Web3 technology? We think there's tremendous value in things like capturing digital wallet information. Um, there's so much uh, marketing insights to gather from that about consumers, where they're spending their money, um, you know, what communities they're investing in and all of that. So I think there's you know, that bridge between Web 2 and Web 3 just needs to be acknowledged as, as far as where we're at right now. Mm. So wait, your company is called Sweepville Meta. What, what is Sweepville? <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's got some history behind it, but it was really meant uh, to be able to easily swivel from space to space, right? Okay, it, okay. So you move from space to space, right? So we, we're multi-world too, right? So we can build, you know, immersive experiences on our white label platform, or we can build them in the central land and we can link them together and you can swivel back and forth between them uh, real easy. So that's where the word swivel came from. We were just looking for a really cool word that was simple that would communicate that. Imagine like I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I work in a, in a big company, uh, you know, a br big brand and I'm thinking about, okay, what is this Web3 metaverse thing? Should we go there or not? Um, Ideally, what would be my work title uh, to be the person who is in uh, in charge of that? Um, because I know that you know some companies are already having like a head of Web three and Metaverse, but but maybe if a company is not there yet and you want to go in and talk to these brands, what would be the what would be the, the the ideal title of the kind of person that you talk to? Yeah, a lot of the people we engage with now, as far as our clients are brand marketing, innovation leads, digital marketing leads, um, because one, they have some, uh, you know, some background in social platforms, digital platforms that are designed for marketing campaigns um, or that are being leveraged for marketing campaigns. We think the immersive web is very much a tool for that as well. Um, and then secondly, uh, you know, a lot of people in innovation because they're trying to find what is the immersive web offer in terms of value to their business, right? That, that's their role to explore how there can be a business case for the immersive web, um, whether it be just for marketing or for other purposes. So we, we work with a lot of people in marketing and innovation. Um, some teams have progressed to you know, immersive uh, solutions teams or, um, you know, Web3 and Metaverse teams as well. Um, one of our clients, MasterCard, has a really robust team um, around Web3, crypto and the Metaverse, um, which is exciting to see people growing their teams internally. Um, but I would say at the same time, we we want to be able to work with people who don't have to augment their entire marketing team or entire innovation team to try out these solutions. So we really try to provide an end-to-end -end platform in that regard so that you know people don't have to invest hundreds or millions of dollars in building out a team and something they're not quite familiar enough with to really know if it's a good investment or not, right? Um, so I, I think we try to encourage people to think about um, what skill sets do they have already that are digital savvy, marketing savvy, and just willing to try new things to, to work with us? 
Mm -hmm. Okay. So wait, um, imagine, let's say you're, you're at a dinner party, you know, and you're talking to some people that you're meeting for the first time. And uh, somebody asks you, so what do you do? How do you describe what you do? Yeah. And, and uh, I'm guessing if you use the, the term metaverse, they probably say, oh, isn't that thing dead? Like what happened? It, it had a moment and it's um, nobody talks about it anymore. Yeah, and so we, I would say we empower marketers to captivate their digital native audiences with lasting immersive web solutions at the simplest level. And what that means is, you know, you can start uh, creating these awesome virtual experiences and run marketing campaigns with them, lasting marketing campaigns. So you can build a, a virtual experience, start running a campaign to bring people in, and you can bring them in there and meet them in there. Unlike your 2D web campaigns where you're just driving somebody to a 2D web page or a PDF file and they look at it by themselves, you can drive them to an immersive experience where they can be in there with other people and you can meet them in there. You know, and what marketer wouldn't want to do that? And it's as easy as doing it, you know, to a 2D web uh, landing page today. And so would you say to them that the, the primary use case of uh, immersive web is for marketing? That's what we're focused on. So, yes. Okay. Um, and and uh, I guess this is this one goes to you, Brittany, with, um, you know, a lot of companies trying to cut costs right now. We are in a difficult market. Um, mm -hmm. How are you seeing marketing budgets um, being allocated or shifted? You know, uh, I remember speaking to companies, let's say, um, in 2021, even early 2022, um, it was a lot easier to talk about these things. They were Absolutely. they were a lot more open to. It. So so how do you deal with that if they say okay this is like um yeah that thing is just really not uh, uh, not top of mind right now. But um how's that affected uh, you and and uh, what um what do you observe and how do you respond to? Yeah, I, I think there are two responses we're getting right now, and certainly we acknowledge um, the tightening of wallets across many industries. Um, even some of our really large corporate clients have said, "Hey, we have to pause this because um, you know we we have multiple initiatives, and uh, you know we were experienced cost cutting of various sorts." So that that's certainly something we have experienced recently. Others are, you know, committed to the point of saying, hey, look, we have to do this on a tight budget. Um, but at the same time, they're really committed to um, continuing to educate themselves internally and do, you know, POCs or smaller projects that help them educate themselves internally and inform what projects are going to be most impactful down the line. So we see a lot of organizations just investing um, more time in, in figuring out how can I uh, define a use case that is worth investing, you know, um, a significant amount by trialing it now. So we encourage that quite a bit is spend this time now to educate yourself so that you're prepared when your marketing budgets do come back. Mm -hmm. So wait, um, when you look at the space, when do you think it will realistically come to maturity and uh, you know when do you think like you know that that everybody is going to uh, when I say everybody I mean most companies you know for example that they think that they are going to have an actual presence in the space 
Yeah, right now we're really thinking it's kind of a five-year timeline horizon for all what we call lifestyle brands, right? Lifestyle brands are brands who have strong followers already, um, you know, brand enthusiasts, if you will, um, and have a lot of engaging content that they're trying to, you know, find new ways um, to, to get that content out. And so I think a combination of the tech evolution to where it's much more seamless, there's a bit better bandwidth within these immersive experiences, et cetera, um, in terms of how many people can experience them at once, as well as just the learning curve of the users. And, you know, five years will definitely, I think it will be standard, just the way it's standard to have a social presence with these lifestyle brands. Um, so that's our horizon. But like I said, um, there's a lot of leaders and innovators right now who know it's the time to start learning. How do I utilize these platforms? Okay. So going back to you, wait, uh, so do you agree with that five, five year uh, time horizon? And when you are speaking to, um, maybe, uh, investors, what's the, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, when you went out and you raised money for this, right? So, so, um, were you at the time when you were uh, exp explaining this to them, uh, were you clear to them that this looks like it's going to be a five-year horizon or were you at the time thinking maybe that it was going to be earlier? You know, has that time horizon changed and uh, since you uh, kind of started this business? Uh, it's about the same. You know, I, you know, we think though the immersive web is here today. That's what people don't understand. They think it's harder than it really is. And so it's just, you know, to start, it's just the internet in 3D, right? Today it's in 2D, it's 3D. It's not hard, but people don't realize that. So we try to make them understand that these companies that we're talking to. And I think once more companies understand that, you're going to start, start to see more get in. Uh, but I generally, we, we agree with, you know, by five years from now, everybody, you know, is going to at least have a 3D component to their web, uh, if not the whole web in 3D. And some of the customers that we're talking to, you know, they'll tell us this is the future of the web. They see it and they know it. Um, but it's just, it takes a while for that to trickulate through, you know, the whole ecosystem, all the web two companies. I mean, uh, you know, the traditional web two companies out there. Okay. Yeah. I, I, um, podcasts I just, like yours, I think are going to help them, right? So just listen to this kind of stuff. It's like, it's not hard. And people just think it's harder than it really is right now. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the reason why I asked that is that I generally think of myself as somebody who is, Really, I would say I'm an early adopter, you know, like the fact that I'm building a, a Web3 company, you know, I, I actually pivoted initially, it was more uh, a standard kind of content uh, driven kind of model where we would create these content and then we would build a business around it. But now we are becoming more of a, a platform for other communities to build content on. And uh, and it's something that I, th I think about quite a lot, whether the immersiveness uh, of um, that content, whether it would be more inviting or not for people. And when I think about myself, I'm not really using uh, immersive web in the sense of like going into a metaverse. You know, I, I feel like there's still too much friction and there's still like, and, 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 and it's, it just, for me, it kind of reminds me of a video game. Do I necessarily want to be in it? You know, what difference does it make? You know, like how's that? To give you an example of how I'm thinking about this is, let's say, for example, right now we have got these live sessions where people come in 
and uh, there is a, a question tab, there's a, a chat tab, uh, there is like polls, you know, people can, we can bring people to the stage. And when I think of like, if this was going to be more immersive, what would that look like? How would that feel? Um, and, and would that necessarily make it um, more interesting for people? Would it make, um, would it make people more uh, engaged? If that means that I'm sitting here with a mouse, kind of like moving a character around, you know, I, I have tried that where, you know, where I've gone into, let's say, a, a metaverse-like environment, and uh, there are these characters that are kind of moving around, and I see their names above them, and they're like, hey, come here, come here to us, you know, to this <laughs> other side of the, the the pond, and, you know, this is, we are in the river, and I'm like, where are you guys, where are you, where do I find you, and they're like, we are here, you know, and, it's, <laughs> and it just, it, it felt yeah. so clunky, Um and and I and I didn't go back, right? So so how do you, what do you say to anybody who might say that the experience isn't quite there yet, and and the, um, uh, just just spending the time on uh, on developing something around that, putting in the effort and the the resources behind it, does it necessarily add anything to my bottom line? Yeah, so I would say it really depends. I think what we always try to advise our clients on is pick the platform that really is best for your audience. And it sounds like you went to a platform that maybe, you know, you're not the target audience of that platform. And certainly some of them are clunky. I'm not going to lie and say they're not. I think that's where I think, um, you know, there's a, a little bit of a learning curve on our side, but there's also a technology curve on the other side where people need to make things a little bit more seamless. Everyone talks about how Web3 has like a major UX problem, right? Um, and so I, I think we specifically with our Swivel Meta platform have really focused on accessibility and, you know, um, an intuitive platform that is, is suitable for all types, generations, um, and and there's a couple of tools and features that we focus on to make that, um, you know, to make that happen. So for example, we've been working with um, an athlete brand and, uh, you know, they simply just told us, I don't, I, I forget how to use the WASD keys. I don't know how to move forward and turn around and all of those things. Can I have someone go in, learn about my, um, you know, learn about my program, see my products, but not necessarily have to navigate themselves. And there's absolutely solutions for that. There's auto tour solutions, there's presentation modes where you can simply, whether it's on your phone or your desktop, um, you know, click a button from a website and it'll take you into this experience and automatically tour you around. Um, we also think that's a great tool if you're just going to a concert or a DJ event in the, you know, in these immersive experiences where maybe you don't want to socialize or um, maybe you only want to socialize with your friends. And so we also create experiences that can be private so that they don't have to be with a public audience. Um, maybe you don't want strangers walking around you or dancing around you. You only want to experience it with your friends and family. And therefore you can just create a copy of that experience, still see it live. Um, and so there, there are different tools and, and various features we're enabling to make sure that 
you don't have to be so savvy in in the navigation or um, you know know how to play a game. I never played video games in my life, <laughs> and I I can thoroughly enjoy um, multiple platforms that are immersive. Nice. Okay. Okay. So, can you tell me um, how you see AI on? Uh, as it is now, like things like stable diffusion, things like, you know, mid journey, um, Dolly, all, all the fact that people can actually start thinking about, you know, like, and actually they can, they can start to um, describe a scene and, and it can create it for them. Um, do you, how, how do you see this, uh, this actually impacting uh your business model in the future? Sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the big um, things we have on our roadmap is just co-creation. So, you know, enabling brands to, you know, co-create with their, their audience. Right. So like Brittany said, you know, if you're a brand, you have a virtual experience with us, I can have a private experience uh, of that, that with to share with my friends and family. Right. And I can bring them in and the brand could put something in there to help me co-create with them, right? And I can work with my friends and family and the AI can feed that if you're doing imagery or, you know, stuff like that, we can integrate that into the whole co-creation experience and create new ideas for the brand so they can get these ideas from their community uh, within these experiences, right? Create all the art or whatever they have going on with their brand. So that's that's definitely one way we're thinking about. And it's on our roadmap to do that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think- I think Co-creation is big, I think. Yeah, I think that that's exactly what I was about to say that I think that co-creation is the next- the next thing right like in in mm-hmm. terms of being able to because for example early days of the internet you would go to say facebook everybody had the same wall the same look right yeah mm-hmm. and and it was only if you went and created your own um you know website that you could have a different look right so i wonder if uh, more and more as people are um uh, kind of like they're enabled to create these different types of um, visuals and, and experiences, whether they're going to expect that. And I think that's one of the things that's interesting about the, the idea of a metaverse is that each person can create their own environment, right? Yeah. Personally, um, so if I give you a, a private copy, you can, I can give you, you know, the ability to customize parts of it and you can use AI to customize parts of it in addition to your NFT, PFPs and all that stuff. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, how do you see your uh, your business model being disrupted by the new technologies that are coming out with with these types of yes, co-creation is a part of it. It's great, you know that, and that's somehow that's one way that you can actually you know incorporate that. But do you do you see a world uh, where this can also be disrupted? You know, because the, because things are moving so fast. So in the past, it was like you would create a business model and you would have a certain amount of time before something else ca- came along and and disrupted it. But right now, it feels like everything is moving so fast that it's becoming harder and harder to have any form of longevity. So as where you are now in relation to where the metaverse is, do you already have any kind of feasibility in uh, in terms of what would be the next wave that might disrupt that? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll try to answer it this way. You know, the way we think we're going to be disruptive is we're maniacally focused on marketers, right? And we don't believe there's a platform out there right now that is really focused on the tools that marketers need to go leverage the immersive web and, and campaigns. There's a lot of platforms out there that are really focused on creators, which is awesome. 
right? And they give tools to the creators so they can, you know, create, you know, experiences in Blender and upload them. But nobody's really focused on marketing and everybody's going to win when mainstream companies get in, right? And we're, you know, we think the way we're going to be disruptive is really focusing on marketers enabling enabling them to get in. And then the next wave will be, like you said, all the AI stuff and the co-creation and, and you know, just being able, you know, as a marketer to, to have thousands of experiences out there that my audience owns themselves and, and, be, and can be able to tailor and, and customize and connect with me and have that direct connection. It's the most direct connection you can have almost uh, with the customers when you have that digital connection. And that can be in virtual spaces. And um, you can, you know, communicate directly with them, get feedback from them. Um, so that's kind of where we see the next wave, you know, of that happening. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think AI in particular is going to disrupt us in a positive way, right? Right now, we invest a lot of time in customizing spaces for brands um, and designing it very uh, meticulously around, you know, translating their brand into these experiences with AI and the ability to create, you know, different textures, um, different assets so quickly. Um, that's going to accelerate our ability to not only initially create these environments, to, but to evolve them over time and, you know, improve the long-term value of those environments. So I, I think we're looking forward to that more than anything else. Um, just want to do it in, in a way that's effective. Um, and, and, you know, most of our model is really about, uh, supporting live experiences, keeping them live um, and hosting those. So I think we're less concerned about the impact to, to design and more, more focus on just supporting good, strong experiences. Got it. Um, how resource heavy is your work? Like, you know, right now, let's say if a company comes to you, you know, how many people are working on uh, creating an environment for each uh, company? Typically three, you know, um, it, there's uh, a design lead, um, a uh, more technical lead, if you will, or dev lead um, to make sure that all of the interactive features are functioning the way we want them to. And then myself to really oversee both, you know, the creative and technical execution. So um, it, it's pretty, pretty lean and mean. Um, we can you know, roll these out as little as two weeks um, because we've been involved in this 3D immersive content for so long. Um, we, we've developed a great platform for us to develop these experiences. So um, most of the time is really just spent uh, engaging with the clients and helping them um, create their vision for the experience. It's a new world, right? You know, it's, I, I equate it a lot to building in the real world because you still have to do the programming of different space types, what kind of content you want in them, and then visualize that in 3D. It's just like building a house or an office or anything else. I actually came from the commercial real estate world and um, spent my time translating brands into physical spaces. And now I do that with virtual spaces. So um, you know, it's it's a really exciting uh, job for a lot of us. Um, we have a lot of former architects on our team, but uh, it's it's a lean and mean delivery. Very yeah, cool. Another thing is you know, we're, we're building a platform that, you know, provides our creators with tools to do stuff even faster. Every every iteration, it goes faster and faster. Yeah. And, and the point is for us to do that, you know, upfront work, but for really the marketers or the brand themselves to maintain that experience and be able to keep the content fresh, 
with our tools not having to come back to us. So, um, you know, really that's where the long-term value is, is them being able to self-manage that experience, both through the content, but also through the data insights they get, you know, who's accessing the experience, where are they coming from, what's in their wallet, and, um, you know, really helping them evolve that experience to target who they really want to target and learn more about their community and um, their, their brand enthusiasts. Got it. Okay, last question. So let's talk a little bit about attention. Uh, you know, the, the biggest, I suppose, challenge for any brand right now uh, is holding people's attention. How do you think this new environment will uh, enable them, you know, empower them to, uh, to maintain people's attention? Um, I'm, I'm assuming that nowadays, because the whole metaverse uh, kind of environment is not yet uh, ubiquitous, uh, everybody using it. Um, once people come in, I, I suppose the first challenge is getting people coming in. And once you get people in, uh, to some degree, it's um, fairly maybe easy. Uh, I, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, to keep their attention. Um, but um, to what degree do people come back? And uh, when they are there, once it starts to get busy, how are you, uh, how, how do you see, uh, you know, the, the attention war kind of uh, unfolding? Yeah, so uh, attention wise, you know, once you get them in there, the, the beautiful, beautiful thing about these immersive experiences and you can take them on a journey to tell the story much different than looking at a 2D web page, right? You can, you know, I've seen ones where, you know, depending on the, the, the program you're running, you can tell the whole story of the program and just immerse people in that, you know, story with their friends and family and keep them in there and, you know, guide them on a journey, right? That's nice and slow and give them little, little you know, gamification type things or quizzes or, you know, things to do along the way that's really fun and give them an NFT. And when they come back, they get a different, more personalized experience, for example. Um, and so those types of things are, will keep the attention and running the regular campaigns in there. So once someone comes into your experience for the first time, you know, they can get notified the next campaign that you have and, and you know, come back in for a different experience and get different benefits um, um, and experiences. Yeah, I would say as I think about this, I think one mistake that people make is they were equating the attention people had to the metaverse to gaming experiences, right? Kids spend hours and hours in gaming experiences, but we're really looking at it as how much time do they spend on a website versus these immersive experiences? And when you compare it that way, I am much more likely if I'm virtual shopping or I'm going to a concert, um, I am much more likely to spend more time in an immersive experience than I am on a website watching a video, right? Um, the fact that I can meet other people or just even see something real time from, you know, maybe it's the founder of the, you know, of the brand or um, a designer of the brand or, you know, a celebrity or influencer that's there. I would much rather hang around and, and see what they're going to do and, um, you know, explore what drops or what products they're going to launch in that experience than just see a video or an image on a website and, you know, have to click 20 times to figure out, you know, how much it costs and, um, you know, all see all the different views of that, that product or whatever it is. So um, I think when you equate those two things, um, you know, th there's just so much more to offer in the immersive web and 
certainly a lot of interest um, from people in having those experiences. Yeah, I can imagine that. I, th- I think that um, part, part of it, it kind of worries me because uh, when you think about how something like um, even YouTube shorts or um, TikTok, you know, the way that is sort of, it is, oh my God, it is so capturing. That it's like, <laughs> it, you know, it really draws you in and it's so hard to get out of it when you, that's why I don't, I just never look at TikTok because I'm like, <clears throat> this thing is impossible because it literally yeah. just scrolls <laughs> right now, it like even scrolls it for you. So you don't even have to do the scrolling, right? Uh, and imagine, I can only imagine how that will be in a metaverse-like environment because once that becomes so sticky, uh, you know, you are spending all of your time in there and, and it's going to be extremely difficult you know, to get out of it. But we are not there yet. And I think that any brands that, um, you know, capture that and, and, and succeed in nailing that, they are going to do really well. Um, and any, any of those that come in later are probably going to struggle, uh, just like um, the brands that were late to social media struggled. Um, yeah, so. late to social media or late to e-commerce. Um, all of those, I think, are the ones now that are diving in first, which is great to see. And uh, yeah, hopefully they don't miss it. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that a lot of people learned their lesson uh, from being late to the party on those waves. And now they see an op- uh, opportunity. But I suppose it's like anything else. It's, uh, it requires a leap of faith at this stage and to uh, uh, dedicate the resources to uh, put yourself in the, in the right position to do that. Um, And then it's a case of, because in most cases with these things in a company, it's not one person that makes that decision. There are a ton of people. And then it's a question of whether there's one person who really gets it, who can then, um, you know, uh, convince the other people uh, to dedicate the, the time, the money, the budget, all that stuff. Right. Any any last words? Where where can people find you? What's your you know your uh, kind of call to action in terms of uh, what what you want people to take away from this? Maybe if you could both comment on that very briefly, that would be great. Yeah, I'll just comment. You know, again, I'll say it's not hard to get in, right? So you don't need a big new budget or to hire new staff. You can do it with the existing staff today, just like you're doing it with your two D uh, content. Um, and most people don't realize that they think because of all the press and everything that it's really hard and really expensive. And it's not to start and to start learning. It's important. And you don't have to, you know, have a new big new budget and new staff to to start learning. Yes. We're at swivelmeta.io. We'd love to, um, chat with anyone who's interested in learning more or exploring, you know, what their use case could be, um, for an immersive experience. I think just to leave everyone with you know, one thing to think about is just start learning now, start, um, you know, internal projects now to get your staff familiar with it. You don't, like Wade said, you don't have to augment your entire team. Um, We really try to make this a light lift um, with a high ROI, and we'd love to talk to anyone who's interested. Thank you so much. That's, uh, I'm sure that a lot of people will find that very helpful. Thank Thank you so much, Somi. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Brittany and Wade from Sova Meta. I would love to know your thoughts on the subject. So please do share your opinions and thoughts on the present and future state of the metaverse with me in the comments on YouTube. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star rating and write a review. The full interviews are also available on my YouTube channel, The Somi Ariane Show.